grace and peace to you this day from God our Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, who came to heal, to teach, to open our eyes to the way of our God and Father. Amen. Sometime back in one of the journals that I receive, there was a interesting little article in there. It was, it was a curious and humorous attempt to try to explain what Christianity is all about. And it was being explained to somebody from outer space. That's what really caught my eye. How in the world do I explain it to somebody here, much less somebody from outer space? Well, the story went something like this. Imagine a Martian was making a guided tour of the planet Earth, and his guide was explaining what Christianity was all about. Oh, what a wonderful religion, the Martian replies. How advanced you are to, to base your entire conduct and, and precepts, your actions, on love and self-sacrifice. How touching. But it, it, it seems like a rather demanding philosophy. Is it, is it popular? Oh yes, the guide replied, most of our civilized countries here on planet Earth are Christian. That's very interesting and encouraging, the Martian says. You're lucky to have so many countries committed to love, peace, and brotherhood. Tell me, tell me something about your recent history. Well, the guy went on to relate the history of the 20th century. Stories of endless wars, monstrous destruction, wholesale done in the name of Christianity. At which point the, the Martian stopped him and said, something doesn't connect. Would, would you go back and explain Christianity to me again? I think I've missed something. Well, as you look at our world, and yes, Kathy, even our leaders, sometimes I think they've missed something. But in our gospel lesson for today, we have a rather interesting, fascinating teaching story. See, Jesus has been teaching in the temple in Jerusalem, but in the process, he has offended some of the Jewish leaders. So he leaves that temple with his disciples, and they are walking through the streets. And as they do, they come across this man that was described to us in the reading. The disciples asked Jesus that question. Rabbi, who was it that sinned? That caused him to be born blind? Was it this man before he was born? Or was it his parents? 
And Jesus resp responds with that, that curious response for the time anyway. Neither one of them, neither his parents nor the individual sinned. What happens is to show what God can do. It's then that Jesus makes this non-medical treatment. I mean, all the time I was in nursing, if somebody would have taken mud and spit in it and put it on a patient's eyes to cause them to see, would have been kicked out of the hospital. But fortunately, this wasn't a hospital. But he does just that. He takes that mud, he, he spits in it, and he puts it across the person's eyes and then says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, a very special, a sacred place of that time. And the man went, and of course, as we already know, he saw, he saw. Now, as that story goes on, some of the neighbors and other residents began to question, is, is this the same, same man? Is this the one who was blind and was begging in the streets? According to the Pharisees, Jesus' action broke their law. Why? Did it on the Sabbath. Well, what am I doing standing up here then if I can't work on the Sabbath? But according to the Pharisees, his law did indeed violate, you shall rest on the Sabbath day. It is holy. For it was unlawful to even heal a person that was dying on the Sabbath. The Pharisees asked the man how it was he received the sight, and of course we heard that narrative as, as the man replied. Some of the Pharisees replied, this, this man certainly cannot be from God. Others asked, how can a man who is a sinner do such miracles? In other words, if Jesus is the Son of God, how can he be a sinner? And if he's a sinner, how can he be the son of God? How can he do these miracles? So they asked the man once more. You say, he cured you of your blindness. And what do you have to say about him? Would you, would you explain your healing to me again, much like that, Martian? We think we've missed something. He's a prophet, the man answered. And the Pharisees replied, you were born and brought up in sin. Crash, there goes my microphone. <laughs> Hold on a minute while I put myself back together. You were born and brought up in sin. That, of course, was the belief that if you or your parents sinned, this was your punishment. And now you're trying to teach us? And they kicked him out of the synagogue. Not just for that day, but permanently. We, you and I, who sit back here and listen to these stories or read them ourselves, would ask, would you explain what Jesus did that was so wrong? He showed compassion to this individual. 
He showed God's love to this individual, his mercy. Well, we, we must have missed something then. Jesus simply cured this man of his blindness. What difference does it make that he made some mud and put it onto the on the Sabbath? What better day is there to show God's presence, God's strength, God's love? The important thing, I believe, is that this man was born blind. But now he sees. How ridiculous of the, Sabbath, of, the, of the Pharisees to insist on such insignificant and meaningless rules and regulations. Well, in our Sunday school class, we've been talking the past weeks about craziness that goes on within denominations and why do they believe in this or why don't they that? Well, whenever you put humans into the mix, need I say more? The laws that God laid down there on Sinai were very simple, very to the point, but that wasn't enough. They had to go and add another 656, totaling 666 rules for us to follow. And most of them were impossible. And yet on this season of Lent, we're called to pause and take a look at our own relationship with the God that we know in Christ Jesus. Have we made rules, policies, procedures that go against all that he taught us to do? Christ was not much on rules and regulations that govern our lives. He was more on what God wants for us and how we should respond to God. And much as you were saying up here, Kathy, I wonder frequently just how blind we are today when we close our eyes to those who are truly in need, maybe within our own congregational family. I'm thinking of ways that we prioritize our time. We give little thought to spending hours at recreational events, maybe even at the bowling alley or, or at basketball games or whatnot. I'm not against those. So don't, don't go out there and say, oh, listen to that guy up there. He, no, 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 no. But we get all upset if somebody expects us to spend more than an hour on Sunday in church. I applaud you for that. But don't abuse it either, Pastor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yet we, we find it very difficult to squeeze out more than that single hour a week for God. I don't want a show of hands, but I'm just saying, how many of you will take time to home for your own private devotions? How many of you will take time to actually open that Bible, if you can find it, that we usually put out when the preacher's coming, but how many actually look and read that content of that book 
whether it be the Old or the New Testament. We give our, of our energies to our own interests. We volunteer for our favorite organizations. We, we struggle within the church, though, to fill committees or Sunday school positions. Or if Joanne wants to really get the choir moving again, to get enough voices, right? <laughs> there are more, <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> there are more and more needs within our church to fulfill its mission, its gospel. And so as that Martian said, I ask the same, would you explain your Christianity to us again? We think that we have missed something. I'm thinking of rules and regulations that we have established concerning our relationship with people as we go about in our daily lives. It, it seems that, that we have a growing tendency to follow first our feelings, our emotions about our jobs, our organizations, our clubs, schools, sports, rather than spending quality time with our family. This is supported by many licensed family counselors. And what about the rules and regulations for becoming involved in politics, economics, racial, social justice? My guess is that we have all had our own personal measuring stick as to how much involvement we do or do not give to these needs. So there are those people in the world who would take a look at Christians and would live and how it is that we live in our relationships, in our religion, in our church, how we live to our families and to the world around us. And they would ask that same question that that Martian asked. And yet it's not quite that simple, is it? We do struggle. There's so many demands on us during the week. We wrestle, we toss, we turn, and to be honest with you, so do most Christians. We need 40-hour days in order to get everything in there. We know in our mind and we feel in our hearts that we should be more active to do more and yet, there's so many other demands. So we come here again this Sunday to confess our sins as we did at the opening of this service for things that we have done, for those things that we have left undone. We come to be assured, and please hear this if nothing else, we come to be assured of Christ's presence here in this house of his love and compassion for each and every one. And as we leave, hopefully we do so renewed, refreshed, and recommitted to be a witness to others in his name. Letting them know that Jesus is the light of the world. He is the one who came to save us from our sins. And it is he 
who lives in this congregation and in your hearts. Be the ones who spread the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we tell them. That's the hope. That's the drive of our Christianity, to tell the good news. The peace of God that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.